Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Hummus Tailgate Party. I'm your host, Thomas Jackson. In today's episode, we've only got a couple weeks left in the season. Hard to believe it's been flying by. Um, we are going to recap uh, week 11, yes, and then preview week 12 coming up. So uh, it was a pretty bad day overall for the best bets segment, unfortunately. I had a subpar day at 4 and 5, but all things considered, not too bad especially since the best bet hit uh, with Ohio State-Purdue cashing that over in the first half. Always a good one. But, um, yeah, Jacob, sorry he could not figure it out yet again. We will uh, probably find a new guest for next year and come back stronger, but I appreciate Jacob's time and effort and everything. Just a couple days with really bad luck. That's how it goes sometimes, unfortunately. Um, I wanted to talk about one thing that I've been seeing with – Alabama and a few other teams playing cupcakes the past week and then traditionally the SEC teams play all of their cupcake like their late season cupcake game this upcoming Saturday the week before Thanksgiving slash rivalry week and of course I've seen a bunch of Ohio State fans popping off on Twitter about how Alabama's playing New Mexico State and everything and I don't know. Maybe someone can under, uh, explain this to me. It must just be the timing of these matchups that the SEC teams generally play a weak team at some point in November. And I get it. That's when the season, you know, everyone's paying the most attention. Things are the most intense. And it is, you know, I guess if you're just an average viewer and not a intense fan of one team, then yeah, it can seem boring to have some of the top teams in the country playing the New Mexico State types this late in the season. However, if you are an SEC fan, like I know most of y'all are, it's like just kind of a nice break in the middle of a grueling SEC gauntlet that's been going on since mid-September just to have one more, you know... easy game before you finish off the season with a couple top 25 teams or whatever. So I know I'm mostly preaching to the choir here, but that made me curious since I saw mostly Ohio State fans chiming off about this online. I wanted to compare not necessarily the overall strength of schedule. I didn't even look that up. We might have a higher, I imagine we do because I was only focusing on the worst opponents on the schedule. So Ohio State fans were acting all high and mighty even though they played Tulsa and Akron this year. Those were their two non-conference games outside of Oregon. So Tulsa ranks 95th in team efficiency margin on cfb-graphs.com. And I pulled these on Friday, so they've probably changed a tiny bit, but um, not enough to really make a big difference. They also played Akron, who ranks 127 out of 130 in team efficiency. And then they also, their three weakest Big Ten opponents were all weaker than Alabama's weakest SEC opponent, with Indiana at number 122 out of 130, Rutgers at 110, Maryland at 82, and you have to go all the way down to 59 before you get to LSU, who was Alabama's lowest SEC opponent in terms of team efficiency margin. So if you want to look that up for yourself, it's cfb-graphs.com. Thanks to Matt Speakman for showing me that earlier in the season. It's been a really interesting resource that goes kind of into some advanced stats and everything, but it's not too hard to understand once you look at it for a few minutes. So I've enjoyed that, but yeah, that just proves that I, I mean, I guess I know people just like rip it on the SEC whenever they can, 
but uh, I guess they are just upset about the timing of the Cupcake games because Ohio State did play both of theirs way earlier in the season than its Big Ten for the rest of the way. It should also be noted that Saban has been on the train of increasing the SEC schedule from eight games to nine games basically since he's been to Bama for, I mean, you know, at least probably 10 years at this point since I remember him start talking about that and pressers here and there and the Big Ten has an extra Big Ten game so they played nine whereas the SEC only plays eight so you know that that means the SEC has one more non-conference game most of the SEC teams will schedule you know one ranked opponent and so who cares if you uh, if you aren't playing you know two really good quality non-conference opponents every single year you know, when the people bitching and moaning about it are Ohio State fans who get to play Rutgers and Indiana every year, practically. So, you know, rant over just that just bothers me every year. So I wanted to touch on that. Uh, whatever their gripe is, they don't communicate it very well. So uh, we will now hit on our week 11 review and get started. Thomas Jackson, beautiful podcast from Denver. We're starting with a couple games um, that actually don't really have anything to do. Well, one of them has to do with the playoff, one does not. But I wanted to welcome our new, future new SEC members, Kansas. Not Kansas. <laughs> Maybe we should have, should have invited Kansas. Texas and Oklahoma on a couple of great Saturdays. Good job, guys. Kansas, of course, beat Texas 57-56 to in overtime. This was Kansas's first ever win at Texas. This was their first Big 12 road win since 2008 when I was in sixth grade. I'm now 25 years old. Uh, Kansas dominated this whole game. Like they were up by two to three touchdowns for, you know, basically the whole time. Texas came back in the fourth quarter and was able to tie it at the very end. Texas got the ball first in overtime. They scored a touchdown, kicked the PAT, then Kansas got it and scored a touchdown, decided to go for two instead of uh, attempt the PAT, which I really like that move as a as an underdog on the road when you have a chance like that to win it on a two-point conversion. I think you really should. I mean, you know, maybe if you're like a top team, I mean, then you're you probably wouldn't be an underdog on the road. But maybe your season's on the line and you feel good about extending the game. That's one thing. But, like, Kansas is, you know, they have nothing to lose. So I really like them going for the kill shot there. And obviously it's heartbreaking if you don't get it. But at least you went down swinging instead of, you know, deferring, going to the PAT, and then maybe losing on a way flukier uh, situation in the next overtime. You never know how crazy things can get. But it paid off. Their hair quarterback, who I believe was the third string is what I was reading, ran way back in the backfield. And uh, he hit, it looks like he was going to get sacked or just have to throw up a prayer. But he actually put a really good pass in the front of the end zone to, uh, I don't know if it was a wide receiver or a tight end, but they got it. And uh, Kansas fans were freaking out in Austin. They were chanting SEC so loud that you could hear it over the TV broadcast. Um, you know, big, I mean, as fun as it's going to be to rip on Texas, big credit to Kansas, their head coach, head coach, Lance Leipold, I believe it is how you pronounce that last name. Uh, I mean, he came in and inherited probably the, you know, worst situation in all of college football after a, it's Kansas B 
after the Les Miles disaster, and he's clearly doing something right because they just beat Texas, which even though, you know, Texas sucks, they still have so much more talent on the field than Kansas does. It's not even funny. So he's at least got those guys playing really well and believing in themselves and their teammates. And, uh, you know, Texas, on the other hand, uh, I mean, they started off pretty good. You know, it's like after the first quarter of the Oklahoma game this year, it's been literally just all downhill. I think that makes five losses in a row. I mean, imagine if Texas was in the SEC West this year instead of in a couple. They probably wouldn't win a single conference game on this unless they lucked out and had like Vandy for their crossover. But Kansas beating Texas is like the equivalent of Vandy beating Alabama. Like it's that big and unheard of. You know, I mean, Kansas hasn't won a conference road game since 08 to restate that incredible stat. Um, all that being said, Sark, we'll talk about him more later in the, uh, in the uh, hot seat segment. Not that I'm saying he's on it, but it's worth a discussion just to look at his situation because it's gone It's gone from okay at the beginning of the year. They had a little bit rolling after that. Uh, I think they scored like 70 on Texas Tech, and now it's, uh, it's going to be grim there in Austin, pretty grim for the next couple games in this offseason. Then Oklahoma, future SEC member, finally lost. We've been talking about this all year, how bad they've been trying to lose any game at all. And this is the first, like, really, you know, pretty good opponent they played. They were at Baylor Saturday morning. Baylor was number 13 at the time. Let's pull up these, the college football rankings, playoff rankings. Just came out, so let me check on those. I only saw the top few. Baylor was 13, and they moved up to 13. Uh, oh, no, they were 13. They moved up to 11. The Baylor Bears, Oklahoma dropped down to 13. So there you go. Oklahoma's been in close games ever since the first week of the season when Tulsa only beat almost beat them. And uh, it's just – or no, Tulane, pardon me. But Oklahoma finally drops one like we uh, we've been waiting on them to the whole season. They went back to Spencer Rattler in this game because their offense was looking so bad. And then they went back to, uh, what's his name? (laughs) He's been out of the Heisman race for a minute, so I actually forget. Caleb Williams. Sorry, I'm all over the place tonight. All right, now into the more relevant teams. Georgia, again, not much to talk about. Tennessee got up early in the first quarter, and then Georgia just suffocated them. Um... Everyone was wondering if Tennessee could really, you know, put up some points like no one's done on Georgia all year. They did get over the 14-point mark, which was previously the most Georgia had allowed, but they only scored 17 and they gave up 41. So, Hooker had a really hard time. I really only watched the first half in this game because then it got kind of out of hand, and he overthrew a lot of balls where he had wide open receivers, or not wide open, but open enough. He, he uh, overthrew a lot of them, and you know that would lead to a Tennessee punt or whatever, and you just never know how a few mistakes like that early in the game can change everything down the road. Not saying Tennessee beats Georgia, but they might be able to, you know, put up another couple scores and actually make it a competitive game in the second half. But Georgia, clear cut number one, rolls on yet again. Oregon, number three, and that's where they remained in this most recent college football playoff poll. They beat Washington State 38-24. to 
Uh, we had the plus 14 and a half in this one, so thank God for that hook. We barely squeezed it out, but Oregon led them back in the ball game. They got out 14-0, then Washington State scored 14 more and tied it up at uh, 14-all, and Oregon was able to kind of keep the steady lead after that. So it's kind of nice to see Oregon come out and play a good game against a pretty good team. So they go to Utah next week, which is going to be awesome. Number four, Ohio State trounced Purdue 59-31. to Purdue cannot knock off three top five teams this year. You hate to see it. That was, of course, our best bet over 61.5, which cashed before halftime. So cheers to anyone that followed that. Number six, Michigan got a really big win against Penn State, 21-17. Uh, it looked like they were going to blow this one. Like It feels like they have done in every single big game in Harbaugh's career ever. But Penn State, Michigan had the lead. Penn State got up uh, 17 to 14 with just a few minutes left. And it was like, okay, here we go. Uh, he, they hit a huge passing play, like 65 yards. So There's tight end, went all the way for a touchdown that propelled them onto the top. And uh, they were able to hold on to that 21 to 17 margin, seal it in in Happy Valley. So, really big win for Michigan. You know, I mean, I, I kind of like to joke on Michigan and stuff, but it it felt it was nice to see them get a win after what happened in East Lansing and everything, because they've been a really good team this year, and they definitely deserved it. And Penn State, you know, certainly no slouch, but Michigan Michigan's the better ball club. Michigan still has everything in front of them. They need Ohio State to beat Michigan State this Saturday, which Ohio State's like a nearly three-touchdown favorite, so it's highly likely. And then the Buckeyes come to the big house. Michigan, you know, I mean, y'all know how that series goes, but if Ohio State wins and Michigan wins against whoever they're playing this week, let's check that out. I'm not even sure. They're at Maryland on Saturday. They should not have a problem with that, but never say never with Michigan. Um, let's see. And yeah, and if, if both Michigan and Ohio State win, then it's going to be a winner take all in the big house on the last Saturday of the season for a shot at the uh, Big 12 or Big 10 title game and the college football playoff. So I really hope it comes down to that. That would be, you know, exciting to watch just at least leading up to it. Maybe Ohio State still kills them. But uh, I think that would be a pretty great way to start off rivalry Saturday. Number 15, Ole Miss got a huge win over number 11, A&M. Uh, Ole Miss, that uh, final score was 29-19. to This kills any chance that A&M had of squeaking out in the West. Before this game, obviously, if A&M had won, then they could have won out and just hoped that Bama lost to either Arkansas or Auburn, and A&M would have gotten the two-game, two-loss tiebreaker over Bama to go to Atlanta. But now, as long as Alabama wins one of our next two, then we will lock up the West. So there are a lot of teams that had good years, and I don't know if y'all saw my tweet. I'll I'll touch on it in a minute. But there's actually a crazy scenario uh, for a six-way tie in the SEC West. Um, I'll touch on that later when we're having a little bit more <laughs> a little bit more time. Uh, let's see. Yeah, so that kind of kills A and M's chances. Uh, and I was I was watching this game with an Aggie fan, and uh, she was messing with me about the Bama and A and M game the whole time. And I was just I kind of said the same thing that I said in the recap episode immediately after the Bama A and M game. I said, you know, y'all have had a really good year and everything, but does it hurt 
<laughs> does it hurt that you beat Bama the one year that you lose like to like Mississippi State and Arkansas in September? So, you know, you couldn't even like get the hype train going for a couple weeks because even though the upset was huge and they deserve all the credit and the fun they had with it, uh, you know, they've never been in the driver's seat in the West despite actually beating Bama. And usually when they play Bama, they are in the driver's seat and they control their own destiny. They can never get it done. And she was like, yeah, a little bit. So now with another loss, uh, let's see what two games they have left. They have Prairie View, so a cupcake win on Saturday. And then they're at LSU for the final Saturday of the season, which feels like it could just be a really weird one. Uh, so congrats to Texas A&M on a fun season and a trip to the Gator Bowl. Speaking of LSU, they lost at home to Arkansas 16-13 to in overtime. I uh, really only caught overtime in this one, but that was a big win for Arkansas to, you know, keep, they got, they beat state last weekend and it feels like they're kind of back on track now. Um, they've had, you know, by all accounts, a great year, even though they hit a bit of a speed bump. I mean, they're seven and three and it would have been really exciting for them to just to go to a bowl game, uh, you know, even with six wins. So they play at Alabama this Saturday, then they finish off the season with Missouri at home, which should be a win for them. So they're looking at an eight, possibly nine, nine win season if shit gets really crazy, but happy for the hogs to pull off that big win at death Valley. Um, let's see. Mississippi state (laughs) 43 Auburn, 34 Auburn blew a 28 to three lead folks. That's gotta be the first time in football history that that's happened. It's such a big blown blown lead. I can't believe it. Uh, Mississippi state came all the way back. I believe they, they scored 40 unanswered. So changing that score from 28 to three, to 43 to 28 before Auburn got a you know touchdown I guess there in the last few minutes um Bo Nix broke his ankle in the third quarter and apparently kept playing um uh whatever his name Carlson Andres Carlson tore his ACL I've never seen a kicker get that intense I don't know if that was in the game or on the sidelines but I've never seen a kicker have a you know super serious injury like that during a game but uh, crazy injury day for Auburn. I mean, you know, even though you can kind of understand why the offense didn't do anything in the second half with Bo playing on a broken ankle. I mean, I don't know how you do that, but the defense gave up 40 points. And I mean, you know, stuff gets hard. If state gets rolling and they get some momentum, they can be hard to stop. And especially if your offense is just going three and out and stuff, then defense is on the field the whole entire second half but still I mean you can't blow a 25 point lead at home it's the biggest lead that uh or the biggest comeback win in Mississippi State history so I guess we're gonna have TJ Finley for the rest of the year for Auburn I don't even know who the third string is I know he you know people have been calling for Finley at certain points in the year when Bo hasn't looked good um but we'll look more into that before the Iron Bowl I guess uh Auburn plays South Carolina this upcoming Saturday Florida, the last game on our recap, lost, or <laughs> they didn't lose. They should have lost. It felt like they lost to Samford. They won 70-52. to Stanford had 42 points at halftime and led by seven. Uh, this game was like ESPN plus plus 3.0, so I don't think anyone in the country was actually able to watch this game. But looking at the score was pretty bizarre. So uh, Florida, after they fire their defensive coordinator, Todd Grantham, before this game, 
maybe they're having second thoughts. I don't know. They're certainly having second thoughts about Mullen, and we'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> so that's it for week 11, and we will move on to week 12. So week 12, certainly not a uh, great week of games. We really have a couple that have big playoff implications. However, y'all know the deal. Every week that I've said this going into it, it's wound up being a pretty crazy and fun Saturday. It's how it goes in college football. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see. We've got the Michigan State at Ohio State game and Oregon at Utah that are, you know, the big the big playoff heavyweight games. Also, Arkansas, they just moved up to number 21 after their victory at Death Valley. They play in Tuscaloosa. So, who knows if they'll have a, uh, you know, Alabama, catch Alabama in a look-ahead spot or whatever. But those are the three ranked games for the weekend. And uh, the first two, you know, are probably have a little bit more hype than Arkansas-Bama. But, I, you know, I'm not overlooking the Hogs. I mean, they've had a hell of a season and kind of surprised people all year. So... Um, let's see here. Yeah, so there's just, like I said with Alabama, you, you have everyone in the country plays their rivalry in two weeks, and you know, it's going to be interesting to see <laughs> what teams are caught looking ahead. Like I mentioned, I mentioned Michigan at Maryland. That's, you know, maybe one to keep an eye on. Maryland has been pretty disappointing this year. I mean, they really don't have any business hanging around in a game all four quarters with Michigan, but you never know. I mean, if Michigan is, you know, they're just, just coming off of a big win at Penn State, and then they're looking ahead in two weeks. They host Ohio State, trying to beat them for the first time in forever in the big house. I mean, damn, I might be talking to myself into the Maryland spread right now because this is just such a classic sandwich spot. And, like, we've seen this stuff year after year. It's very trappy. So I guess that's a great example. Alabama's another one, too, even though they're not coming off of a you know, emotional win or anything, still looking, looking ahead to an away Iron Bowl where we haven't won since freaking 2015. So, you know, guys have to be – how can you not look ahead to something like that? But um, So keep an eye on teams that are in these sandwich spots, you know, probably like still have a lot to play for, whether it be the playoff or just their division. Um, it's There's going to be a couple, couple teams that sneak up, and we don't know where they're going to be. That's kind of the fun in it. But I can almost guarantee you that there will be a couple – you know, games where you look up, it's the third quarter, it's like, whoa, what's happening there? Flip it over to ESPNU. So hopefully we'll get a couple of fun ones like that. We'll have to see. Hopefully it's not in Tuscaloosa. Um, yeah, so Michigan State at Ohio State. Let's see the rankings on these guys. The top seven, I don't think anything changed from last week. So we have obviously Georgia at one, Bama two, Oregon three, Ohio State four, Cincy 5, Michigan 6, Michigan State 7. So yeah, that's the exact same as what we discussed last week. So I won't really, you know, touch on anything like that. Notre Dame moved up to number 8. They that's where Oklahoma was and then Oklahoma State is up at number 9 and uh you know, keep an eye on those teams if shit gets crazy in the top 6 or whatever top seven because both of those teams especially Oklahoma State has a lot left on their plate and uh, you never know sitting there at nine and one same record as Bama Oregon Ohio State but so yeah we have number seven Michigan State traveling to the horseshoe to play number four Ohio State this is a huge spread as all of these Ohio State games have been all year they're minus 19 the over under is 66 and a half 
was kind of mentioning the Big Ten East earlier when I was talking more about Michigan, but the winner of this game has control of the East, so they'll have, you know, control their own destiny to go to the Big Ten title game in Indianapolis. Michigan State has the one loss to Purdue, and Ohio State doesn't have any losses in the Big Ten. And when you're determining the conference, you know, who wins the division, who goes to the conference championship game, it's not your overall record that matters. It's only your conference record. So if Michigan State were to beat Ohio State, they would both have one loss, and Michigan State would have the tiebreaker, meaning that they would have the leg up going into the final week of the season. And let's see who Michigan State plays. They get Penn State at home. So that'll be a tricky one, but Michigan State would be favored in that ball game. So you have to think they would feel good about their chances. However, they are not favored on Saturday, 19-point underdog. And if Ohio State can win that game, like I mentioned earlier, it'll be winner-take-all in the Big Big Ten East in the Big House on the final Saturday of the season. So that'll be really interesting. We'll see if Michigan State can keep up with that offense. My mind says no but we'll have to see. Oregon at, oh yeah, that's the uh, 11 a.m. 11 a.m. game, sorry, uh, in Columbus, Ohio. Oregon at Utah. This is the night game at 6.30 primetime on ABC. Uh, it's probably going to be a little bit chilly in Salt Lake City. It's always a really tough place to play in general, but especially once you get on into November, um, yeah, it's actually gonna be pretty nice it's gonna get down in the probably be like in the low 40s in the second half so not terribly bad compared to what we have seen in salt lake at some points but this is one of these we've been talking like every week for the past month it feels like about all these unranked teams that are favorites over ranked teams that's not necessarily the case here although number 23 utah is a favorite by uh, three points over number three oregon so even though it's not unranked over ranked it's still number 23 being favored over uh Number three, this is probably because Utah has been playing really well the past few weeks. They had a really bad start to the season. Otherwise, they would be ranked way higher. Of course, their quarterback quit the team and left, and they went with their guy that was kind of thought to be the starter all along before this guy from Baylor transferred in and just wrecked everything and all of my futures. But uh, they're actually not wrecked yet, and if they win today, we're going to be really good shape, y'all. But... um, Oregon's had some issues scoring ever since their running back got hurt for the season. They've just been really inconsistent. Even though I've liked Utah a lot all year and I want to continue riding them, it's going to be hard for me not to take the points with Oregon. Just... They just, they've been playing up in good games, like in the Ohio State, for example. They totally smacked them around. Granted, that was week two. I get it. Long time ago, but still, they've got all the talent to where if they're all clicking at the same time, they're totally capable to play with anyone in the country. And they've been playing down to bad teams. So they'll, you know, they will certainly get, get up for this one. It's going to be a great scene there in Utah on Saturday night, and uh, I don't know. As, as, as to who's going to win, I I don't know, but I kind of like taking the points with the Ducks, even though, you know, I feel like an idiot if I fade Utah after I've been on them all year, and they uh, get the big <laughs> victory at home, but we'll see. 
lastly, last single game I'm going to touch on, which I basically already did, was Arkansas at Alabama. Uh, Arkansas coming off of a couple wins to get their season back in line. Alabama coming off of the cupcake week against New Mexico State. Bama's a three-touchdown favorite. Over-under is 57.5 in this one. Um, you know, like I said, it's just, is Arkansas going to be able to get back up, punch Bama in the mouth? I think that they'll, you know, give Alabama some problems in the trenches because Alabama's been so vulnerable, so, so bad there the past few weeks. Um, but I don't know. I just hope Alabama isn't looking ahead to Auburn. With Auburn dropping the last couple, I'm not as worried about it anymore. I'd definitely be a lot more worried about it if Auburn was still, you know, right there in the uh, SEC West race. But their injuries and everything obviously take a little bit of steam, at least for now, off the Iron Bowl. So hopefully Alabama comes out, plays a solid game. I don't if even if we don't cover, don't kill them. That's fine with me. But you know, I don't I don't want to nail I don't want a nail biter. I just want us to come out and play, you know, solid, clean football, not make a bunch of stupid mental mistakes, get a bunch of penalties, get whooped on the line would be great. So please and thank you. I must mention that Auburn in the West is not totally dead yet. I uh, got this from Andy Staples on his podcast. It's one that I enjoy there on the Athletic Network. Uh, But he said, A six-way tie is still possible in the SEC West. This is where all, or six out of the seven teams would be tied at five and three in the conference. All that needs to happen is the following. Week 12, so this upcoming Saturday, Ole Miss needs to beat Vandy, Auburn needs to beat South Carolina, and Arkansas needs to beat Bama. Week 13, after all those happen already, State must beat Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl, which I am getting really excited for. Arkansas needs to beat Missouri, Auburn needs to beat Alabama, and Texas A&M needs to beat LSU. So out of all those seven games, the only two technical upsets would be Arkansas and Auburn over Bama. Otherwise, you just need all the teams that are going to be favored in those games to win. Uh, Auburn is like a seven, seven and a half point favorite at South Carolina this week. Um, In case anyone was wondering, oh, I guess State probably won't be a favorite over Ole Miss, but the Egg Bowl is in Starkville, so that gives them a leg up. So if all of those things happen, one more time, week 12, Ole Miss beats Vandy, Auburn over South Carolina, Arkansas over Bama, week 13, State over Ole Miss, Arkansas over Mizzou, Auburn over Bama, Texas A&M over LSU. If all that happens, you have six teams tied at five and three. What about the seventh, you ask? Well, that's LSU. They are not going to be able to get to five and three, so they're in seventh. So good job to the Tiger. In that situation, Auburn would end up being the SEC West champion because, of course, they would in a situation like that. Of course, they would. So let's just hope Ole Miss loses to Vandy and we don't have to worry about any of the rest of that for the rest of the season. Okay, sounds good. So segments. Hot seat of the week presented by Lee Corso. So we'll start with two people that have been fired since the last episode released. I had in my notes to 
put Jimmy Lake, the former Washington head coach, on this segment this week because he made some pretty rash comments about how Oregon did not have the academic prowess that the University of Washington did and then lost to Oregon after those comments. And after that game, he got suspended for the following game against Arizona State because he like hit a player or something on the sideline, having a total freak out on national TV. And uh, he was four and six this year and got let go by Washington. Those four wins, of course, they lost to Montana week one, if you remember that. Those four wins came against opponents who com- whose combined record was 9-30. and 30. So he only coached 13 games. He got hired before the 2020 season. So, like, yeah, it's a tough spot. But they must have really, really been out on him to fire him that quickly. Especially because last year... Washington went three and one. They technically won the Northern Division, but they didn't qualify for the title, the Pac-12 title game, <laughs> because they didn't play enough games. I think you had to play five to get into it. So Oregon took their spot and ended up winning the like super fluky Pac-12 title. So weird, but yeah, Jimmy Lake is gone at Washington. He uh, is getting a nice little $9.9 million for his buyout because they fired him without cause. They wanted him gone that bad. They couldn't even wait till the end of the year. Uh, next up, y'all know him well, Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech. He got fired early this morning. Uh, he was number one on the tier one list because they are five and five. They beat Duke Saturday, but they've got Miami and Virginia coming up. They need one of those wins to make it to a bowl game, and I would not bet on them to win either, probably. Um, let's see. Next, okay, Dan Mullen. I guess it's time to promote him from Tier 2 to Tier 1. He is rapidly rising. I mean, Gainesville is an absolute cluster right now. This is really hard to believe, like, a year after they are a touchdown away from potentially going to the college football playoff and winning the SEC championship. Um, But it has been a total dumpster fire down there in Gainesville. They almost lost to Stanford this week. They have to play Florida State and Missouri in opposite order. So Missouri is this Saturday, then Florida State the last game of the season. They have to win one of those to make it to a bowl game, but it's going to be like the Independence Bowl type of bowl game. So no matter, even if they win the next two games, ain't no one going to be happy in Gainesville, and especially if they drop one of them. I mean, Mullen could be gone. So it's going to be interesting to watch those last couple games because if they're almost losing to Samford, you aren't going to catch me on their side for the rest of the year. You know, no way. Uh, we got Manny Diaz in Tier 2, which, of course, is a little bit lower than the very hot seats of the Tier 1 people. They just had a heartbreaking loss to Florida State. The Canes are 5-5, five and five, but they get Virginia Tech and Duke next, so they should be able to win one, if not, you know, pro- I think probably both of those games to make it to a bowl. And then we have Sark. I don't know what to do with him. He's not... In- like I wouldn't like say he's on the hot seat, but uh, I mean, you know, what what do you make of this losing to Kansas and just all the weird stuff that has gone on in Austin? They just lost Bijan Robinson for the rest of the season. Texas is riding a five game losing streak. It's uh, 
it's looking bad, and I, I, I don't think he's going to get fired after this season, but, like, you've just heard a lot of chatter, a lot of, you know, bad talk about his name, uh, which you would not expect after Kansas week. Speaking of Texas, who's not back of the week presented by Texas? Maybe they'll just lose out and keep making this segment so easy on me, but yes, yes, ma'am, it's Texas again. Five losses in a row, like I said. They are four and six, so they have to win their final two games to make a shitty bowl game. They finish off the year with West Virginia and Kansas State, and they will not be favored in either of those games. Although I would love to see a Texas-Florida Independence Bowl. That would be awesome. Um, So yeah, hey Sark, come home, buddy. Come home. Tweet of the week, at DBryceJ. And uh, after the Auburn blown 28-3 lead, to Mississippi State, the largest in program history, at D. Bryce J. said, quote, Harson is doing his own research into how this could happen, end quote. Helmet sicker, same game. Will Rogers led the lar- largest comeback in Mississippi State history. He completed 80% of his passes, went 44 for 55 for 415 yards, six touchdowns, zero interceptions, and one 25-point comeback win on the Plains. Good job, State. Non-ranked game of the week. I didn't even realize this ball game was this weekend because it feels like one that should be the last weekend of the season, but I think they've been changing this recently, and I just keep forgetting. UCLA is playing at USC at 3 p.m. UCLA is a three-point favorite. Over-under is 66.5. You know, both of these teams have been wildly disappointing this year. Uh, High hopes for both of them going into the season, and neither has been able to be competent at all on a consistent basis. So, you know, it's always a fun rivalry game to watch pretty uniform matchup and everything there's probably going to be like six thousand people in that stadium but uh yeah that's our non-ranked game of the week clash of la the best bet of the week i have not decided quite yet but a little patting myself on the back we have secured a profitable regular season after winning last week's that pushed us to eight and four on the year y'all pretty damn good up four units, so we're going to try to finish strong and uh, get this thing to 10 wins on the year. It would be awesome. But, um, yeah, I will tweet that out per usual whenever I um, whenever I make up my mind. May or may not do a couple for the postseason. We'll see how good. I don't want to squ- squander too big of a lead, but we'll have some fun with some lines that I'll tell you all about later in the postseason. A um, couple of the ones that I'm looking at, Florida Mizzou over 69 and a half. I mean, maybe that's being influenced by Florida covering that themselves and Samford almost covering it themselves uh, this past Saturday. But I'm looking at that one. Wake is getting four and a half at Clemson, which I thought when I, I don't know if that's at Clemson or not. Let's see. Yeesh. At Clemson. Uh, I thought I was reading that wrong and that the line was backwards because I think Wake Forest is better than Clemson. So I'm certainly looking at that plus four and a half, although it feels just too good to be true. Uh, Virginia, Pittsburgh over 66. If Armstrong plays, I was really bummed that he couldn't go on Saturday. Uh, good win for Notre Dame uh, on the road at Virginia. Although, you know, even though they were missing their quarterback, Notre Dame rolled them pretty good. Probably would have been a pretty exciting high scoring game if uh, they had been all healthy for the Cavs. But if he plays, I'll be looking at that over. 
And South Carolina plus seven and a half. I don't know. They had a couple, you know, big win over Florida, which even though now we know that Florida's garbage, still just a big name for them. And, you know, young team like that, young coaching staff, it's kind of good to get any momentum you can at any point. So I'm not sure how Auburn's going to respond after the past couple weeks and losing a couple key figures on their team. So looking at all those, nothing's official yet, but keep an eye on the Twitter and I will send it out. Group of five, game of the week. Of course, we are still dead focused on Cincinnati. They play SMU. Cincinnati is a 12-point favorite. This one is in Cincinnati, over under 65.5. Shit's finally getting real for the Bearcats. Uh, They have Eastern Carolina next week, and then most likely Houston in the American Conference title game. So everyone's kind of been, ever since the Notre Dame win, Cincinnati's had a really weak schedule and just barely been you know, gliding by these teams, kind of giving it the old Oklahoma treatment for most of the year. Everyone's been pointing at SMU and Houston, uh, you know, as the two teams that can possibly knock them off without Cincinnati just playing way down to people's competition, uh, competition or talent level. But yeah, so I'm excited to see how Cincinnati holds up in that one. That game is at 2.30 Central. Pac-12 after dark game of the week. We've got Arizona State at Oregon State. Starts at 9.30 Central, so a nice late one. That's uh, Oregon State is catching three points on their home turf over under 60. Uh, I assume that'll be a pretty interesting one. Oregon State's, uh, you know, had a pretty good year, much better than I expected. And Arizona State's been a bit all over the place, but they got a tough one at Washington last week. So we'll see if they can travel way back up far northwest and do it again on the road. What I'll be watching, the best games in the morning, afternoon, and evening time slots at 11 a.m. I will be watching Michigan State at Ohio State. Hopefully Michigan State can keep it close and make it a game, but uh, I don't see it happening in the second half. Washington at Colorado. I will be at this game in person. I'm really looking forward to going back to Folsom Field. It's one of the most beautiful stadiums in the country. I went there a couple seasons ago when Boulder played USC for a Friday night game. This one's at uh, 2 o'clock Central. Not that anyone cares to watch that game. (laughs) The Buffs are catching seven, so I'll be on that for funsies. But, um, yeah, we're going up and staying with the homie Emmett Grunberg. So looking forward to uh, one last in-person game day for the year. And then Arkansas at Bama. Otherwise, is the best game in that afternoon time slot. So I'll be keeping up with that guy on my phone. 2.30 CBS game, of course. And then the nightcap, we already talked about it, but Oregon at Utah at 6.30 p.m. So not a, not a deep Saturday unless we get some of these upsets, you know, or at least scares that I was talking about are certainly possible on days like uh, this weekend. But there's, a, you know, a couple pretty good, pretty good games in each time slot. Uh, game day grub, Maya's mac and cheese was delicious. So thank you to her for coming on and talking about that and uh, making it for Friendsgiving and everything. Everyone loved it. I highly recommend that recipe if you need someone to uh, if you need to cook some mac and cheese for Thanksgiving or a Friendsgiving or a tailgate or just for yourself. That's totally fine too. Um, I tweeted out the recipe, or if anyone's not on Twitter and you need it, it was on my story on Instagram, but I can always text you guys. I've got it written down on a card at home, so that's no problem if anybody needs it. Uh, no recipe this week for me, as we will be in Boulder, hopefully eating a bunch of good food from a lot of random tailgates, but, uh, yeah, 
that's it for this week's episode. Next week's episode, we have multiple guests coming on for the Iron Bowl preview. So I hope everyone uh, is looking forward to that. It's definitely taking a little bit of a bummer with Auburn losing the past couple games and having a couple key injuries, of course, but we're still going to have some fun with it. Do uh, probably a little bit more informal, just a little more shit talking and everything with the guys, but I can't wait. And we will be, I'll have to work it out with everyone's travel schedules being the holiday week, of course, but we'll try to drop that episode on um, Wednesday morning, like usual. If not, then I'll probably have it up uh, some point on Friday. So keep your eyes posted on that. Everyone have a great weekend and safe travels for those of you going home on the early side for Thanksgiving. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks guys.